incoming transmission from Podfleet Command on screen. Welcome to the final episode of Trek Geeks Picard Live for season one of Star Trek Picard. My name is Barry DeFord, and I have been and always will be your inner light of remembrance while we look back at the season that was Star Trek Picard season one. If the internet drops, we will have our lovely and talented EBH, Mr. Dan Garcia from Trek Geeks Game Night, to uh, make sure everything is running properly, though I've do think the days of bad internet are over, thankfully. Also, this broadcast is streaming live on YouTube and Facebook and also on TrekEast.com. Picard Live is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. And as usual, we will have some more information about them a little later on, including a special discount code just for viewers of the broadcast. And uh, P.S., think this is your final chance to get the discount offer so i think uh, we might as well just get straight into this bad boy with a hardcore spoiler alert to ensure that we are uh, not doing anything silly so let's throw the spoiler alert card up right about i don't know now spoiler alert spoiler alert so this broadcast is going to talk about specific character developments in terms of arcage. So like the whole meal deal, plot season points, plot points of season one, you name it. So there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the first season of Star Trek Picard, first of all, you're in for a treat. But please stop now so that you don't have any episodes ruined for you. And when you're done, you can come back and see if my guest and I, uh, guests and I, sorry, are on point or not and my lovely guests in the comments you'll find are typically the ones with the most on point points as we would say so first of all i want to say hello to everybody we've got horizon brave hello mike bovia good evening helen reed nice to see you i like the good evenings to start jackie hackney how's it going nice to see y'all chris hackney and marina's here awesome christina it's wonderful to see you brooke holy cow look at all these wonderful people debbie oh and there's bill um Good. Good to see everybody here. So I think first we might as well, because uh, we're going to take it slightly differently. We will still go through our different title cards and everything, but we're going to be taking a much broader sort of idea. So in terms of a Picard maneuver, I'm not going to just recap the entire series because that would take probably the entire episode because a lot happens. So I'm expecting that most of you are going to know what we're talking about as we make different callbacks and everything along those lines. So I think it's a good time to introduce my guests. Um, first off, we have the lovely and talented and often imitated, um, but clearly commonly replicated. You can definitely tell I've taken a lot of inspiration from this gentleman, Mr. Bill Smith is coming on tonight and we weren't able to get mr dan davidson he is unfortunately indisposed however we do also have mr dan garcia who is welcome to pop on anytime as well to talk a little trek with us dan are you coming on too awesome I'm the replacement, dan hey he's he is the ebh so he's actually extremely important and uh, keeps this ship floating let's not oversell it i mean well, i call myself it. dan 1.5 okay yeah yeah it's different iterations of different dan's except we we change the skin each time so first of all bill how you doing i'm doing well thank you very much it's it's great to be here dan davidson sends his regards unfortunately he's a little under the weather um but uh hopefully doing well and um that's how we kind of got stuck with uh the better dan quite frankly yeah yeah Uh, this is a step up uh, this dan works far harder than than dan davidson ever has in his life so Mm -hmm. it's a it's it's an honor and a privilege for me to be here with mr garcia and no um i'm not feverish saying that that's uh those are my actual feelings i'm putting this date down 
<laughs> it's being recorded. Don't worry. The and and a legal con- uh, and a and a verbal contract is legally binding. First of I'll, all, Bill, I'll cut I this out to- later. Oh, okay. <laughs> cut it out. Um, oh, oh, you cool yayed me. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, not fair. Just, and that is when he left the broadcast. So first of all, Bill, you are wearing quite the duds there. Can you tell us a little bit about what you got on there? Thank you. I'm actually wearing the uh, the Starfleet uniform from uh, circa 14 years prior to Picard when Mars was attacked. The one that uh, Picard and Rafi are wearing outside of uh, of Starfleet Command. Uh, in the episode, and of course, I'm wearing the appropriate Delta, which you can mm. barely see here. Uh, but this this was a w- wonderful eBay find. There's a manufacturer out there who who makes these sort of uh, of replica costumes, and uh, it's it's really nice. It's a nice breathable fabric. You can see the cuffs have the uh, the points on them, like they do in the episode, uh, which oh, is wow. really kind of cool. Uh, but it's a really nice quality. They did my Discovery Enterprise uniform that I wore to STLV last year. Um, so I mean, it's it's high quality stuff, and it's cheap. That's uh, that's always very good. So yes, we uh, we always try to promote the uh, the idea of wearing different outfits, and I like the idea that we've got uh, basically some of the older uniforms and some of the new uniforms popping up. Uh, I have to say, it's it's sort of weird. Last Sunday we had off, and uh, I didn't wear a uniform on Sunday evening, and I felt sort of strange, so I just threw one on anyway. So you know, well, thank goodness you're wearing pants now. That's really all that matters. <laughs> well, wouldn't you like to know if I'm wearing pants? <laughs> Speaking of not wearing any pants, Dan, what are your sort of uh, thoughts about this? Uh, this entire fiasco you've been behind the scenes the entire time listening to me pontificate about a thousand million things how's this been as a journey for you yeah picard uh i was i was pleased um i have uh, i have to agree with shashank with a couple things but i'm not as verbalized about it because i don't have you know a, a video to put out or I don't do reports, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was better than I would think, uh, or not. It was better than I would think after what I've seen in discovery. I'm, I'm a discovery watcher, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, fair enough. So I think, like I said, we're not going to be going exactly the same way through, uh, through everything. So, now, you know, usually in the Picard maneuver, and we can throw up the, the card for that so everyone knows we're, we're there now, is uh, we want to reorient ourselves to a man who now has an entirely new arc to ponder, right? Our first segment is is straightening out not just an episode, not just a premiere, but an entire season. So, I mean, if I wanted to cliff notes this, it's basically um, some people have, have said some, some positive uh, ways of, of putting Picard together. Other people have said that it's taken from a number of different things. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, actually, Bruno, he's uh, from a, a very esoteric uh, uh, podcast called The Left Page, and he talks about how Picard might be something of an avatar dances with wolves to a degree, where an outsider shows up, um, saves the day, and then becomes one of them sort of idea. You know, if you think of the movie Avatar, um, ultimately, that's kind of what happens, or dances with wolves, or the postman, or um, the last samurai. Uh, these these kind of shows where an outsider comes in, and, and that kind of brings up the savior complex and everything. But I kind of want to look at that, and that's something that I've just been mulling about in my head. So I'm going to sprinkle that out into the comments section, and you guys tell me what you think. And, and if yeah, I'm sprinkling it. So I think first of all. Let's get on with that Picard maneuver. So first of all, Bill and Dan, uh, Bill and other Dan, um, how does this new arc for Picard change your perception of him? 
I think is the first kind of main main question and to kind of add that little extra bit is um what would past you think of this arc just as all good things part one and two showed up if he were if you were to know Picard's story uh would go beyond the movies as we know as we know now um what would past you sort of think and and how does this new new arc change your perception of of Picard in general is there something that stands out there for either of you um I don't know that it necessarily changes my perception um, I, I've always viewed this character as on a journey, even when you know during the times of TNG, and and this is just another stop on his journey. It may not be necessarily one he intended, or or, or was able to foresee for himself. But I, I feel like it, it's the kind of thing where it it makes sense for him, especially for somebody who was as strident in his beliefs to you know give synthetic life forms the same rights and individual uh, individual liberties that that humanoids had uh, that, you know, to, to help declare their sentience and, and their freedom. So uh, I, I have to believe that, that, that it's, it, it's the next evolution or for want of a better phrase. Um, I, I personally am okay with it. I wasn't sure I was at first, um, but after having time to reflect, I, I, I think it's the kind of thing that, that, that I could you know, be very happy with in future seasons of Picard, especially, you know, if they, they play the nuance of it. They play that sort of uncertainty that is bound to, to crop up. Hmm. What about you, Dan? Has your perception of Picard changed now that this new arc is, has been slotted in to, to Jean-Luc's whole, whole story? Mm. I mean, we've always known him, uh, the character as a person who stands on his, on his morals, whether it went with or against Starfield or Starfleet's specific lines of rules. I mean, we've seen that a couple times in the series as well as we've seen it in a couple of the movies. So uh, it doesn't surprise me as the character standing on his grounds when it came to a push or a shove, where, where I was slightly surprised as we have to understand that even though Patrick Stewart, the actor, was supposed to be, it was 45, I believe, when he started as Picard. I think the character was supposed to be like in their, in his 50s to late, their late 50s. Mm-hmm. So his Starfleet career had spanned close to 60 to 70 years almost. So it was weird. It was a little bit, a little bit weird to me to see him that 70 years of his life of, of organization that he supported. Uh, that he immediately turned his back, not continue the negotiation or stay inside and try to pull, you know, pull something out of it. Maybe uh, temporarily agree to a situation to try to further the ultimate goal where it was just abrupt. He was today. He was Admiral. The next day he was Picard. So it was a, it's a little bit of a, a change, but mm-hmm. ultimately I think he redeemed his moralistic standings in the long run, picking up this particular situation and trying to improve it. I think at that point he bought into his own legend. You know, I don't think he thought that they were going to call his bluff. I figured he thought that he would reign victorious and, and find a way to make the, the evacuations of the Romulan still happen. And when he put that card out on the table, he never anticipated they say, ah, okay, you can go home now. Um, So I don't, I, I think it was a, a miscalculation on his part uh, rather than him just picking up and leaving. Yeah. I think so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, just a quick counterpoint, not counterpoint, but additional point. Um, 
not only did I mean, but what surprised me was when they said, "Okay, Picard, then you're dismissed." He literally stopped for almost fifteen years or fourteen, fifteen years, and just let it go. That's not that was the part aspect of Picard that was a little strange to me because in his old in his of course the, the younger years you would see him even if he he wouldn't give up a fight and it just seemed like he kind of gave it up and he pointed out that it was unusual for him but at that point it was just (laughs) shocking to me that he basically sure yeah i think um uh mike bovia has a has a good point here it seems in the beginning that age and circumstances had defeated picard it was good to see him more like the picard we knew towards the end of the story arc and i think that's that's about right in in my eyes in terms of how my perception has changed um, kind of drawing from the, the Canadian background I have, not all of you might be familiar with a guy named Gordon Lightfoot, but there's a song called um, uh, If You Could Read My Mind. And um, there's a part where he says, heroes often fail. And that was actually the first episode of Politrex that uh, Shashank and I did where we talk about how f- heroes fail. And I think this was a very good long-term failure that Picard had to overcome. Like in TNG, in the movies, he had these short-term sort of episode or movie length fails this this we i mean for the first half of this season picard was getting sort of raked over the coals quite a bit and to his own you know to his own detriment i think he he was doing these sorts of things so i think yeah being being sort of agreeing with your own legend and also quitting so quickly i think we really saw someone who we would think wouldn't do that, do that. And it was interesting to see him have to pull himself back together. And the only way he could was with, with, was with the people he was, uh, he was uh, traveling with. Well, and I don't think that it's that he quit so quickly, you know, his last straw, his, his hail Mary was saying, well, I'm going to resign if, if this is the course that Starfleet's going to go down. And the commander in chief of Starfleet said, yep, then I accept your resignation because this yeah. is the way we're going. He was essentially fired. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not about him just walking away. Although when he did, you know, finally leave that, that meeting and had no Starfleet left, he realized at that point he was going home to do nothing but die. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where we see him at the beginning of Picard. In episode one, you know, he even admits at, at the end of episode three that, you know, he was going home to die and realized that he still had more to do. I think that he, he was in that state of disbelief as well. So it's not that he gave up. It's not that he didn't fight. It's that he was essentially dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was he was told to to take a hike and, and be done. And I think sometimes the... You know, there there is that idea of of making room and and the the concept of ageism and stuff like that that can get people into this idea that well you're old you don't have the right ideas anymore and then there's also the with age comes wisdom sort of sort of piece of it but I think really what it boils down to is the institution of Starfleet maybe also sort of believed its own legend to mm-hmm. a degree so I think there is that sort of connector between Picard and Starfleet itself and how these sort of iconic captains represent different elements of it. I mean, Cisco did some horrible things to get on the upper hand of the Dominion War, and he didn't end up getting booted for it. It was was deleted. It was pushed under the rug, but he has to live with that for the rest of his life. There goes part of my desk. Just a second. (laughs) Live television, folks. Yep, yep. This wheel, I've got a caster on my wheel that I bumped yesterday, and I think it's, I think it's uh, giving up the ghost. Uh, a few people have mentioned just really quick, um, 
let's have a look here. Someone said this a little ways back here. Jackie said that uh, I love uh, not only your fan sets display, but your uh, picture of data is giving me the feels as we talk uh, Picardberry. That was intentional. Yes, Jackie. Um, after actually what's been stopping me from doing a big reorganization of my office is this final episode of Star Trek Picard. So everything around me has actually been taken down except for this little tiny section. And I've got a little, a little tiny enterprise. And, and then obviously the beauty that is this fan sets uh, display here. It, uh, it makes me happy. So <laughs> anyways, oh, thanks, Bill. Bill is giving me lovely, lovely, lovely faces. Well, there's more people talking about stuff. And now I've, I've uh, gone back here. So a lot of people are talking about the novel, something that uh, Mr. Smith, I will be getting to probably this week because I have a week off school now and don't have to think about that anymore. So I'll be taking some time to listen to the audiobook uh, about uh, about Picard. I'm very excited for it. I will tell you without spoilers, it is a fantastic novel. It kind of paints in a lot of the picture of the years between the Enterprise and Picard's dismissal from Starfleet. And it actually does go into that meeting that we see uh, the flashback of, or the, the, the after effects that that, uh, that meeting that we see the flashback of between Rafi and Picard. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it's a great, great read. Um, there were a lot of factors in play, and it it sets up a lot for the series. So uh, if you haven't read the book yet or listen to the audiobook, which is what I did personally. Robert Petkoff does a fantastic read of Una McCormick's The Last Best Hope, mm. and I can't recommend it more highly. Nice. Well, as we kind of move into sort of storytelling and how the story works, and and basically, I want to I want to pay my respects to the new people to Trek, right? The people who, who've popped in during the Kelvin timeline, the people who've popped in during Discovery, and now maybe who knows for some Picard might be their first experience with Star Trek. So being that we were basically nursed on Star Trek, the three of us um, and, and for the folks in the comments as well, who've may have been around a little longer, or if there are those of you who are brand new to Trek listening right now, and you're able to comment or, or anything like that, what type of experience do you think that this new series will have for those new to Trek who will, I, you know, we can always hope will go back to watch TNG experiencing that for the first time. What do you guys think about that? Do you, do you think that's going to be um, like maybe kind of like a kitschy nineties? Like, Oh, isn't that cute? How Picard once was, or do you, where is there merit to that? Do you think that'll be a, a kind of a neat experience? Put yourself in their shoes is what I'm trying to say. I'll go let Bill. Garcia go first on this oh, one. Go Dan. Oh, Thank you. Uh, the first thing is I'm jealous of them because yeah. we, I mean, they get to experience something that the three of us have, have known for 30, over 30 years now. Um, I don't, the thing is so many of the stories of TNG and, we, and I know they've covered it in Trek geeks. And in fact, we covered it when a couple times I was on there that so many of these stories were forward thinking and foresight so that even though let's say the back sets i mean the back sets some of the first season of tng was oof a little rough but the stories themselves still hold today and have the same meanings today that they're going to be able to go and watch those and take away things other than seeing wow that's uh, what it looked like in the 80s for special effects huh <laughs> what are those strange little, little beings jumping around with their whips <laughs> stand by for deep space nine it'll get better it'll get better <laughs> we promise bill the new time new time watcher what do you think what what kind of words or things would you want to say to them about that 
Well, you know, uh, the fact is that every Star Trek has been someone's gateway into the franchise. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. You know, whether it you start off with TOS or, or, or TNG or I know for a fact that there are people who entered into the fandom through the JJ films and even through Discovery. And it has caused them to go back and to watch other things. And I think if they go back and they watch Next Gen, I don't think it looks nearly as anachronistic as some older sci-fi shows do. I think if you're watching the uh, the, the the remastered for Blu-ray version, which I think is now on Netflix pretty much exclusively, mm-hmm. I actually think it looks better than it was when it was initially broadcast, quite frankly. Um, there's detail in it that I never noticed before. Um, when I saw it on standard deaf television. So I, I, I think it holds up. I, the stories, as, as Dan mentioned, absolutely hold up for the most part, you know, unless you're talking about Aquiel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, but it, 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 I think as, as Star Trek, as storytelling, as science fiction for television, I think it absolutely holds up. Yeah, I, I, I did a little thought experiment and I, I went back and just picked two episodes at random and I think they were in the same season, interestingly. But anyways, the, the process was I rolled some dice and just kind of found my way to a couple episodes and I got the drum head and I got power play. Mm. Oh, and both, both I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess the dice of the roll was in my favor because those are both just solid episodes. But let's just think about those two episodes for a second. And I thought, like, let's put those into the the Picard, the, the recent contemporary Picard machine. And I think about the fight on 10 forward during power play. People would have the only difference is people probably would have died in the phaser fight rather than just basically like getting like they were shooting at each other and hitting each other like they were nerf guns no one was people were getting knocked over but no one was dying no one was getting holes blasted in them or anything like that and so i thought like you know there's some there's some for tv kind of experiences and this should be for the family um and then the same idea with um with admiral Satie and and picard um i really do see bits of clancy in in that exchange between the two of them it just wasn't any swears but mm-hmm. at certain points i could see admiral Satie looking over at picard being like you bleepity bleeping bleeping bleep i'm gonna bleep you up the bleeper with the bleep and <laughs> you know and 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 you can kind of feel that that tension between the two of each other but yeah it's it's you know, whatever evening uh, sort of stuff. I know I've blown I've blown Bill away with all of my uh, my potential bad words I've said. I didn't know so, you were allowed to do that in Canada. Quite honestly, oh uh, well. <laughs> good thing the CRTC isn't paying attention right now. <laughs> so I've I have an interesting question, and let's see uh, in re- in relation to this. So let's say that people are are unaware of Star Trek that they're. And they have CBS All Access because they're watching some other show. Okay. And the first Star Trek they've seen, and we can put both of these in, Discovery or Picard. Okay. But we're talking about Picard specifically. If they went back and watched the old series, do you think that a watcher that has only known Picard and Discovery would be surprised by the episodic? Because you've got to remember in the last 20 years, episodic TV has kind of almost phased away to a point. So going back and seeing the 60s and the 80s and the 90s and seeing episodic television, do you think think that would surprise them or maybe even put them off? Yeah, I think there's actually a comment that I'm going to bounce off of. Uh, Horizon Blue says, interestingly, I don't think this is a good show to start with. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it's like that it's more for fans that have some prior knowledge. I think that's a good question and and Horizon has just said good question to you on that. And I think that's a good sort of segue to bounce off is 
without the episodic, you're not getting reintroduced to characters. That's why they have to do the previously on Star Trek Picard thing at the beginning to orient you to what exactly is happening. Because with episodic Trek, I mean, you watch three or four episodes and you're going to get a pretty fair cross-section kind of dovetail of the characters, what they're doing and what's up. Things resolve, things go back to zero again. I like to call it the Simpsons effect, right? They can literally put an entire glass jar over the city and by the end of it, everything's back to the normal, back to normal again. So I do think that episodic television is easier to follow. So you can't just dive in anywhere. You're, you're, um, you're going to have to you're going to have to start from the beginning. And yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit jarring. The only thing I would say is that for pacing, right? right, Everything's a lot faster paced, like to go to a different franchise, look at the lightsaber battles in episode four, the 1977 star Wars versus the chop Saki flips that Anakin and Obi-Wan were doing in, in the third, whatever sixth one. And and all the way to, to, you know, the, the choppy stuff that they're doing later on. I haven't seen the latest ones, so I can't really speak for them, but anyways, you get what I'm saying. So, to some degree, I worry that it would just be boring because it's not as fast paced as today's television. But otherwise, I mean, story wise, again, I do. I, I have to say, like, special effects be damned. They're 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 good stories. Sorry, I went on there, Bill. No, it's OK. I don't think anyone should necessarily start with Picard, but invariably somebody's going to. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, let's face it, Patrick Stewart is a legendary actor and probably one of the greatest living actors today, um, you know, and and. I know people who were not necessarily heavy into Star Trek who actually started with Star Trek Picard. I mean, during the run of, of this first season. So, and by the way, they loved it and it's forced them to go back and watch more. So I, I, it's not terrible if they start that way. I don't think a lot of people necessarily will, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'm all for more blood in, you know, in, in, and sweat in the, in fandom sweat equity. Um, if they go back and start watching all the stuff, uh, I don't think that the episodic nature of, um, previous Trek necessarily helps or hurts anything. Um, it's just, it's the way stories were told back then. Um, they, every now and then you get a one-off episode, um, you know, discovery kind of does a one-off episodic with uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad in season one. Uh, and I, some could argue that, uh, oh, the Klingon episode in season two was kind of, um, haphazardly placed, at least didn't necessarily fit the overall plot and scheme. I think you'll probably see more one-offs like that in the more serialized shows, but I don't know that the episodic quality will necessarily turn anybody off or make them consume it differently. Yeah. Late Deep Space Nine would, would be the best kind of connective tissue, I think. Uh, one point on this, and, and yeah, um, in some ways, I think somebody coming in and having Picard as their first series, I think they might, it's going to sound weird, enjoy it more than some of the older ones of us because they have no preconceived mold of who Picard should be. So some of the stuff that happened kind of was like, whoa, okay. But to them, they're like, okay, if that's how the guy is. And I think some of that, they might actually it might actually take a little bit more enjoyment out of it than some of us. They're resistant to that much uh, to, resistant to some of the change or, or will it? I mean, I think that's more of a statement on the cognitive biases of, of some Star Trek fans. You know, they want things necessarily the way they want them and not a hundred percent of the time, the way that they're presented. And that's not a criticism by any means. I mean, that's their fandom. That's what mm. they want to watch and the way they watch it. But I, I think that that's more of a statement on the people who come in with, maybe subconscious preconceived notions. 
personally. I, I maybe yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, I want to go quickly through a couple of comments. There was a ton of comments. You guys are, are lighting it on fire today. So I'm going to just... Fire. Fire. We're going we're gonna to pop through just one or two really quick. First of all, let's see here. Da, da, da. Oh, Mr. McGregor, I think he's out of quarantine now. Uh, oh, I wonder if the Picard novel explains that. Yeah, a novel. Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about the novel. I've, I think, I think I need to. I think I need to read the, or get get to that sooner than later. Oh my goodness, so many people talking. Oh, um, I think Picard can stand by itself without prior knowledge to fully appreciate um tng is a must i will say that my partner has only ever seen the inner light and she's seen more episodes of picard so in that respect going back i think she'll be able to see things a lot differently and i would be interested to know kind of how she feels about that so maybe maybe someday we'll do a we'll do a podcast episode i'll drag stacy on the show and uh, as she starts working through the episodic trek versus discovery and picard that she's seen more of what what her thoughts are um, well, I want to go on to no pips, no problem. We're we're about halfway into the show already, so I want to get to some of the extra little bits here, and I want to talk about Starfleet. So, just so all the commenters, everyone on there, you are aware, listeners, that I have a larger question I want to ask everybody and get to is: Is Picard kind of a story that is? very much or did anyone get sort of an avatar or dances with wolves or last samurai vibe where an outsider sort of savior comes in to save a group of people and then ultimately tries to pay the ultimate price and ends up instead becoming one of them so you know you think about the guy in avatar you think about tom cruise at the end of last samurai or you think about picard becoming this this ai golem thing the synth golem um, is that a very similar story? And, and is that really kind of a thing? So that's the bigger question. I'm, I'm just going to let kind of float for a minute. Right now, though, I want to get into our next segment of No Pips, No Problem. So this is the new dimension of Picard. This is him outside of Starfleet. And the first thing I want to talk about is Starfleet. So it would seem that Star Trek has evolved. Starfleet has always had an issue with its bad morals, small bits of corruption, uh, issues over morality, etc. cetera. Uh, the drumhead, of course, does a really good job of that. Deep Space Nine, I believe, gives us the first real glimpse of Starfleet playing dirty to win. Um, if Star Trek can act as a mirror to our own society, what is Starfleet really the reflection of right now in our society, would you guys say? Yeah, uh, Bill. Bill. <laughs> I said, do you want to pick someone to go first? Um, I thought you guys would be jumping at the question. Well, you know, we want to defer to the host of the show, even though he's <laughs> he's kind of a kind of a weirdo. Um, I true fact. It's hard to say. I mean, we only saw literally this much of Starfleet in Star Trek Picard because the show's not about Starfleet; it's about Picard and this particular phase of his life. So I. I think for me, I think that's a hard question to answer because, I mean, I assume that and rightfully so that there are still ships out there boldly going and exploring and making first contacts and and doing all the things that that starships do. Um, But we get to see this other sort of in between that we have never been exposed to before. Maybe it's been created out of necessity. Maybe it's you know, created out of some vacuum. I don't know. But um, I don't know that it necessarily, that Picard necessarily tells me more about or less about Starfleet because we really didn't see any of it. Yeah. I guess we, we, we sort of get a, 
maybe maybe it's sort of like when Picard broke up with Starfleet, we we went and saw Picard. We never talked to Starfleet and got Starfleet side of it kind of deal, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about today though? Is there is there is there anything that you guys would say Starfleet represents in our society today that we can draw any parallels between? So here's here's something. So I don't know if you guys pay attention to the news, but recently there was a captain relieved on a aircraft carrier currently st- stuck in Guam. Did, did you, do you know this? No. Okay. So there was a captain on an aircraft carrier who asked for assistance. And for whatever reason, because of they have uh, basically they have some disease that today's world has okay on the ship. And he asked for assistance and the assistance was kind of released out into the public and the Admiralty went in there and and the leaders, civilian leaders went in there and relieved him of his job. This is almost a parallel to not, not exact, but very similar because we're not there. So we don't know the exact details and we're not sure why he was relieved and things of that nature. So, Today's Navy in this country has similar situations that still apply to the future navies uh, and cross parallel. So that's that's an interesting perspective of those of uh, uh, we've already discussed that I was in the Navy. So it's an interesting perspective on my part as a to look at an organization I work for to do things that is shown in 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 um, fiction. Which is weird because this happened before the Picard happened before the stuff happened with the 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 carrier. So, uh, but yes, there is civilian parallels even today. Bad situations in a large organization, but there's still there's still destroyers at sea. There's still carriers at sea. There's still all those things. This is just one situation that's been amplified, and all the rest of the stuff around it was kind of ignored. Yeah. Similar to how this show is doing it's it's concentrating on that one situation yeah and it's not to say that starfleet isn't still providing humanitarian assistance to other groups other people you know there could be natural disasters happening on planets there could be so many things right this is a larger operational body and in the case of starfleet right it's its main mandate is to serve the people of the federation right that the entire point of starfleet is just that um there's a quick little part here about picard uh paying the ultimate price uh, jackie brings up an interesting counterpoint to me and this is again why the commenters are so fantastic she says i don't think picard paid the ultimate price by becoming one or becoming one of them i think becoming one of them gave him a reason to live um and you know what i would argue the same thing with our friends from avatar and tom cruise's character from last samurai and kevin costner's guy from dances with wolves by becoming them he they they get that new raison d'etre right the new reason to be and i think that's important that uh, that we think of it that way too is that that picard had as we said sort of was waiting to die, right? He, he had sort of lost his way and had sort of broken off completely. And now we see him having a reason to live. And it is by sort of detaching himself from his anger and frustration with what had happened with the synth attack and how it was, was resolved. Um, yeah. He, he sort of finds his own way and does get a, a better way, uh, way forward. Someone's making, everyone's making fun of my French and I can see it. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Je suis Canadien. 
<laughs> I have so, no idea what you just said. No, I, it was a it was a prayer for safe childbirth bill. Oh, <laughs> well, good luck with that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I kind of I kind of went off on a bit of a pontification. There there has been a little bit more uh, talking here. Ooh, Marina just said something, and she's always got something good to say. Uh, the state of Starfleet and on a larger scale Federation in Picard seemed to me not necessarily a direct representation of a real life entity, but more of making a point that it takes hard work to maintain a utopia. It's easy to become more complacent, less vigilant, less empathetic, and let things become more insular and tunnel vision. And again, this is why the commenters are so important because Marina, I think, says it very, very well. Um, at the end of the drumhead, what is required? Vigilance, right? Constant vigilance uh, to, to maintain this greater and, and wonderful society. And I do think that's, uh, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. What do well, you guys have to say about Marina's statement there? Well, I, she's spot on. And well, more importantly, vigilance is required regardless of the type of society you have. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you have a utopia or not, um, you you have to have that constant focus. You have to have that that constant vigilance, uh, or else things uh, can go horribly wrong. Um, which I, I think kind of mirrors a, a little bit of today in some sort of microcosm. So uh, I, I don't disagree with that, you know, uh, in, in any way, honestly. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts on that one, Dan? Mm, nothing that hasn't already been said. Okay. Well, there, the other little piece of this is there is sort of an undercurrent and you can see it between Picard and Clancy. You can see it the way Starfleet does get portrayed. Um, you can see it even sort of in, in just sort of how things are handled in a lot of cases. And there's a, an undercurrent, almost like an anti-establishment sentiment in this series since insurrection T and, and uh, the TNG crew and by extension, Picard himself himself seems to have drifted from cornerstone cornerstone ambassador to exile and Picard's redemption comes from breaking down his old tropes and behavior sort of dislocating them from Starfleet so like Trek I would argue is the most mainstream militaristic sci-fi out there with Star Wars being militaristic but in that kind of more anti-establishment manner Firefly factors in Babylon 5 uh, and Battlestar going more in the direction of Trek but by bridging something of a gap right um, arguably starting with Burnham's actions in DS uh, DSC's pilot. Does this mean Starfleet will continue to be a place of opposition and an uh, or an entity of resist uh, to be resisted? Do you guys think that in season two um, and in other Star Trek's iterations, we're going to see Starfleet a little more as something to be fought against as well? I don't. No, uh, I, I think largely the, the thing that people had a problem with in this season of Picard was the ban on synthetic life or creating synthetic life. Um, that that largely was the the issue that most people had, in addition to uh, Clancy's uh, colorful metaphors. So uh, we know the ban has been lifted, and obviously it was there because um, of a series of events that were laid in place by the Romulans. Uh, I have a feeling that you know things will normalize as much as they can. There's always going to be an element that doesn't necessarily agree with Starfleet. I mean that's that would that's true all the way back to the original series, quite honestly, mm -hmm. but. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a, a, a plot point or a focus in season two. I think that they'll they'll get past it because ultimately it, it's just going to become too tropey, and I I just don't see that happening with this writing staff. Yeah, fair enough. Dan, any thoughts on that? So keeping in universe, uh, I don't think it will be 
in future iterations just because number one the the resources that having that kind of canon to draw off of is is you know useful in storytelling um but at the same time i think there'll be several elements that maybe fringe that i mean we already seen section 31 type of thing you know we've used it in several series so I don't think they'll make Starfleet and the Federation itself a entity to work against as much as an entity to bend back into the straightness or the correction. You know, they'll be like, okay, now that we've now that we established this is bad, how do we make ourselves better? And that could be things they do in the future of how to bring them back on track versus resist the direction they're going. Yeah. Well- and I think the the redemption of Starfleet and Clancy, honestly, starts when you know she essentially tells Picard to shut the f up because she's sending a fleet of ships. Mm-hmm. And does she ever send a fleet of ships? Yeah. So uh, you know, I think that Starfleet still stands for doing what is right. Starfleet still stands for um, uh, doing the best they can in given circumstances. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be a, a an organization with which we disagree or uh, resent. I like that. So last little bit on no pips, no problem that I want to talk about is for us, because there are a lot of us and, and a lot of folks who are talking, I want to jump into comments on this one, especially what is the most, and so Star Trek Picard isn't just about Picard. It's about all of the other people who, who sort of came together to build Picard back up. What story arc did you find the most attractive of all of the story arcs? Which one just, I'm, Snap questioning you, which one pops into your head first? Because that's probably going to be the one that sort of attracted your attention and captured your imagination the most. Um, Dan, how about you? Which which story arc of, of the characters would you say do you zoom in on first? Hmm. So I would say, oh, man, you're going to stick me with names. Uh, <laughs> Rafi. Okay. Yeah. I, now, I was... When I first got introduced to her in the first couple episodes, I was very resistant because it was like all the things that we were told in four or five other series we got away from. But at the same time, her she brings an interesting aspect, an almost a normal person's look into this world. And we've had several examples of that in over many, many series. But... I like that we have a flawed character to the point that it's a it's not just a oh my character is not quite as strong as the guy next to me it's actually she has character flaws like a real person would t- in today's world hmm. where all the other ones it was their flaws were always well you know my drive is only 95% not 100% um I could be a better person uh, so I I liked the roundness I hope they bring back the whole thing with her family just because I feel like that was almost just kind of sitting off to the side. Um, I, I think that'd be an interesting way to continue her redemption uh, at a personal level. Yeah, absolutely. Bill? Well, you, you kind of asked, where does my brain go first? And honestly, it goes to Picard because uh, the series is him. Um, the, the series was a lot about him finding his reason to be Jean-Luc Picard again. His uh, raison d'être? <laughs> yes, his raison d'être. <laughs> <laughs> and notice how my jaw kind of shifted, you know, positions when I said "detra," because <laughs> um, <laughs> really the only French I knew before that was "croissant." 
Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, he has let down a lot of people and that's not a Picard that we're used to seeing. And he kind of had to find not only his, his space legs, but his, his, his moral center again, because he did go home to die because he did, you know, essentially stop and give up after he was essentially dismissed, you know, summarily. So, um, for me, it's, it's, it's still, it's, it's always going to be about Picard because this really is probably most likely the last chapter of, of this character that we'll see over these seasons, however many there are. Yeah. Well, I, I would say Picard definitely stands out for me, but I would agree with Horizon uh, uh, Brave on this one that, uh, and I think I called you Horizon Blue originally, but it's because I'm not wearing my glasses and I can't see because um, Starfleet don't wear glasses. Um, You're and, allergic uh, to retinax. Exactly. But anyway, Horizon Brave says something really important there. And, and I think that, that Rios is interesting. Now, I would argue that we saw a ton of Rios in several different holographic forms, but I do think that there's a lot more mystery to Rios that is still unanswered yet and i would be interested to see more of him i found him very swashbuckling i found him very uh just he's captivating i mean the actor uh santiago cabrera uh, played one of my favorite characters in one of my favorite movies uh che part one he played camillo cienfuego which is an amazing sort of just steal the show kind of uh kind of character and he did as well in this i really think he he stole the show in a lot of cases uh he is a very troubled soul he's very angry he's looking for a father figure in a lot of cases i when i really think he could be a lot more self-sufficient but he's you know he, he was unable to actualize the way he wanted to and so he's sort of like a planet out of orbit floating around on this little mermaid ship of his um living in a world where he's surrounded only by himself and his regrets i mean it is a very fascinating picture that gets painted so yeah so let, let's have a look here some people uh, had some points here jackie says uh, picard is made better through uh though with elnor just saying absolutely elnor was the was the sort of the the innocence that that Picard no longer had that that idea that there is truly good in every in every person he meets. Um, that's a good point. Um, Helen Reed, Rafi had a great arc, and so did Girardi. Girardi frustrated me a lot as a character. I don't know about you guys. Uh, what do you guys think about? I think Allison Pill did a fantastic job of making a character that makes you go, I don't know which way I want to land you. What do you guys think of Girardi? I, it's a character that I think has a lot of potential. Um, she's she's got an innocence, but yet not. She's she's really kind of a character drawn on a line, and she's clearly done some bad stuff, which allegedly she'll have to answer for. But uh, I think that I think she has an optimism, but yet also a naivete, but yet is probably more cynical than some of the others, which is really kind of an odd mix. Yeah, no, it, it is. She is an odd mix. And, and I don't think it was necessarily a bad choice to make a character like that. She um, She's very unconventional, though, I find, in, in a lot of ways. But I don't know if that's a good or if that's a simple analogy or not. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Girardi's just very unconventional. She's she's almost comically self-aware in a lot of cases. Like The, the fact that she's like, yeah, I killed a dude and he was my boyfriend can't undo that one and and nope. but at the same time like it's not like she 
it's not like she's going to just give up and I, and to do something so terrible <laughs> to fall so terribly on your face. I mean, I think she was also really tra- traumatized by seeing the admonition both in organic and in synth, which I think is fascinating too. Mm. But I, I, you know, I think she's just, is just a very complicated and strange character. And, and now that we kind of have this, with her you know uh, Jekyll and Hyde almost she's she she's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde character where she's got this innocent side but then at the same time she can really monster it up like pulling out synth eyeballs and stuff well she was clearly under duress um, throughout a good amount of the series you know it's not like she wantonly you know wanted to do things and just you know committed cold-blooded murder because Mm -hmm. she felt like it she thought there was more at stake because she was manipulated into thinking there was more at stake um, and that these things had to happen because of uh, Commodore O. And I use Commodore, sorry, I use Commodore in quotes because obviously we know more about O now than, yeah. than we did then. So, um, you know, th- there's there's a lot going on. I mean, is she more than likely going to be uh, exonerated for killing Maddox? More than likely. Uh, mm-hmm. There will probably be some kind of penalty. I mean, she's a medical doctor, um, so she's not, she's not a, 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 an individual without skill. Um, she wasn't there just because she happens to know something about cybernetics and robotics and all those things. Um, she's, she's a very, very intelligent and learned person. She just got caught up in something that she shouldn't have been caught up in way over her head, way over. Well, one thing, um, I will say Helen and, uh, Horizon both say that, uh, seeing, uh, Lara Sinjaban in at least a short trek would be great. And I agree. I think I would love to see them more in the second season as well. I'm also super thrilled with the addition we got to the Romulans, right? Sort of how they, how they work through their dreams and, and sort of their deeper thoughts with that cool little maze thing. Creating labyrinths has actually been something in human history for, a millennia, right? Since the agricultural revolution, we've built these intricate labyrinths, um, both in our designs and also in the way we make our architecture. And they are sort of a meditative process, creating and finding our way through labyrinths. Uh, there's a lot of myth in labyrinths. So I found it was really fascinating that they would use that in the Romulan culture. There's something very cerebral about the Romulan culture, though they still have their own warrior class and everything. So that would be another sort of big, big thing for me and something that i spotted a lot of people in the comments talking about but i'm keeping up with the uh with the pace of the episode so i think we need to take a second because we're already 50 minutes in can you believe it gentlemen i would need to talk to you guys about fan sets because we are so happy to have them as our trek family and as our sponsors so you know there's so many ways to express your fandom and I thought I'd just put this up here. I've never worn any of these pins, but they are something that bring me a lot of joy. They make me very, very happy to have, and they're really well put together. The artistry is fantastic. Um, there's something that I'm very proud of, and I'm not really one to buy a lot of Star Trek stuff anymore, so I tend to be very discerning. And knowing that Lou, John, and everyone at the Fan Sets Place are working their butts off to try to uh, give us the best possible um, representation of our fandom, I think it's really great. And it's something that I think everyone should consider, uh, especially in these times when uh, businesses are having a bit of a harder time. Uh, it's not even Star Trek that you can look at, too. There, I mean, there's a lot more Alien, DC. Um, Picard listeners will get the chance. Uh, and I think, Bill, you can probably say yes or no to this, but uh, Fansets is still offering the 15 count, uh, 15% discount code probably till just a little after this episode airs, would you reckon? Uh, that 
Picard Live discount code, which you can use in perpetuity, is good forever. Oh, it is. Um, it will oh. be in use well after you know in the interim. You know the uh, the uh, the off season for Picard Live, if you will. Um, but it is a permanent discount for Picard Live oh, uh, sweet. viewers and listeners, so you don't have to worry about that going away. Thank goodness. I was worried there for a second. No, um, Fansets loves loves Picard Live. I love Picard Live. Aww. And they wanted to be able to extend those discounts to the folks who who watch that too. In addition to, you know, whatever other discounts that that pop up from time to time. So That's fantastic. Um, they have a lot of stuff coming out. They announced their uh their huge Voyager 25 set this mm-hmm. past week on Trek Geeks, um which was really exciting. Their 7 of 9 um uh, women of Star Trek pin, which looks amazing. Um, and uh, I, I just want to call out something real quick. Horizon Brave asks, wasn't it 20%? Uh, Horizon, it was 20% uh, on the Trek Geeks live stream the other night. That is a code that is expiring on Wednesday, I believe it is, or whatever date it was that we said in the broadcast. This 15% uh, Picard live discount code is a permanent discount code that is good pretty much forever. Um, so, and then, I mean, we also, uh, got to see, uh, the pins that they, they announced exclusively on Trek Geeks the other night, the Mako pin and the Voyager 25 anniversary pin, which, uh, are just, well, as you can imagine, they all look amazing and they it's are. two of the biggest pins they've ever done, Barry. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Cause there's been some pretty gigantic ones. I mean, these ones, I don't know the, the one in the center I've, I have been tempted to, to, to put on but i just worry i would bump into something or it would drop off or anything along those lines well if you look at that uh that tng anniversary pin in the upper right hand corner of that set in the frame um the voyager 25 is even a little bigger than that really and the detail in the voyager 25 is absolutely amazing and the mako pin makes that pin in the upper right hand corner look like uh like it's a mini version so like a dime <laughs> yeah it really does the mako pin is is amazing that's fantastic um, and it's the Enterprise yeah. Mako, not the uh, not a, not the variant from the Mirror Universe or from the uh, the Franklin in Star Trek Beyond. Ah, well, you know, well, fansets, their pins do truly have character, and we thank fansets for being our presenting sponsor and for the spo- being the sponsor of the Trek Geeks Network. Well, gents, I think it's time we move into some supplementals. So. Basically, this is where I want to. Um, oh, sorry, I want to get into this stargazer not the supplementals oh my goodness we are uh, a little bit behind so we're going to probably go about 10 or 15 minutes into the show if that or into the next hour if that's okay i can't (sighs) work in these conditions i know i know okay really really quick i just want to ask you guys we are in a new normal right i mean the i don't like necessarily talking about the the uh, covid sickness that's currently sweeping the world and and um this is a really hard time uh, for a lot of us and for a lot of people. And it's nice to get away from, from that and talk about something else briefly, even if necessary. But I do want to ask with the new normal affecting, you know, could be affecting actors, especially like Sir Pat, who very much despite his apparent health, he is in, is in an at risk demographic. Um, do you guys see filming changing or, or delaying from this? Or do you think we're going to see a new way through? What do you think, uh, Bill? Right now, as of this moment, I don't necessarily see a delay because um, 
season two is really just being broken right now. It's still in, in pre-production. Mm-hmm. So uh, it likely wouldn't be before cameras before, I would guess, late fall at the earliest. So as far as that timeline right now, um, theoretically, nothing is impacted as of yet. Could it be? Absolutely. Um, and depending on how long this this uh, social distancing or quarantine or whatever term you want to use uh, con- extends and continues, um, it's just going to eat away at that particular um, time frame. Every other show in Hollywood and, and around the world that's been in production is pretty much shut down effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, some series have shortened their seasons. Um, you know, didn't necessarily do their planned season finales for some shows. Um, some shows are still coming back with new content because it was shot before these sort of quarantine uh, situations became into effect around the world sort of progressively. So um, could it? Absolutely. Um, is it now? Probably not necessarily for Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly not for Discovery since season three was shot well before this ever um, became an issue. It's just in it's in post-production now. So Yeah. Yeah, which is fortunate. How about you, Dan? Do you think we're going to be seeing any delays? I mean, personally, I would say if they need to make a delay to ensure nobody gets sick, I am perfectly fine with waiting several months if necessary. Well, a lot of production crews and stuff like that, because of where they're taped, they are they do short stints where they do this show and they do this show and they do this show. And it's not necessarily the same, uh, you know, the same distributors so they might work on something on nbc this week or you know this time and then cbs something later so depending on the contracts that they have for the production crew uh if there's anything in there i don't know the contracts obviously but if there's anything in there that uh allows for them to delay like or you know you're supposed to do this block and because this block can't be done we you are obligated contract contractually to do that first. So it may delay it depending on the whole production crew, maybe not the stars, but uh, there's a good chance that the production crew might not be able to record due to prior obligations that are being delayed right now. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I do hope that, um, you know, the crews and everything like that are, are able to keep their feet on the ground until things change. I know there's a, a lot of precarity out there and my heart goes out to anyone who's, who's having a hard time with that. Well, I think let's get onto some happier conversations in our, our stargazer and maybe pop into the supplementals, uh, as well. And, um, actually it is in the supplementals. I want to go next, uh, to kind of move things forward a little bit. And this is, this is something maybe just, that I'm excited about. Um, first of all, I just want to give one last quick shout out to all of the listeners, the people who've been commenting, the people who've been saying things. I mean, there's no way I can get every single person's comment up. You guys are always saying fantastic things. You have your own conversations on there while I'm jabbering on. Uh, it really is a treat to get to chat with you all uh, once a week. And I'm really going to miss actually getting some of the takes I've, I found myself, you know, when I'm walking my dogs or just doing something, driving somewhere, thinking about some of the, the points you guys have made, uh, positive, you know, critical, uh, any sort of which way. And, uh, it's really helped me kind of work through this season a lot more and it's actually given me a lot of material. So I, I really couldn't have done it without the people listening and commenting. It really means a lot. So uh, mad shout out to everyone uh, who's listened and commented. 
I would like to add to that if I could. Um, simply speaking, as the the co-founder of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, I know I speak for Dan when I say this, but we are uh, especially grateful, Barry, to both you and, and to you as well, Dan, for the amazing job you guys have done with Trek Geeks Picard Live every single week. Uh, it's been a great deep dive on Picard, and we have been incredibly excited, as everyone watching and listening has been. Um, it's a testament to the quality stuff you guys are doing and talking about. Out, and it has done nothing but represent Trek geeks and Star Trek in you know in the, in the finest way. So my my grateful and sincere thanks to you both for for taking this honor for doing it. And uh, I can tell everybody listening that uh, absolutely you'll be back for season two, whether you know it or not. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's just say that uh, if it means I get to chat with all these fantastic people again, I would uh, get right on that sooner than than later. So here's my last big question for everyone and then we can get into that fine little bit of uh, is Picard sort of like the new uh, the new avatar or, or or dances with wolves character but this last little bit here that I think is a good positive question is um the new golden age of trek and people have bandied that word about and some people say not real star trek and all this sort of stuff and I'm going to leave that out. I just want to say um Two seasons of DSC, one season of Picard, short treks with more to come. Is there still the IDIC Rod- Roddenberry's vision still existent? Um, or sorry, there is still a, an IDIC Rod- Roddenberry's vision still I- existent, but over time, certain elements of treks have changed. What new messages, if any, are you seeing from these three new seasons of Star Trek? Is there maybe an articulation of an old trek message or a new way of looking at it or something new altogether for you? What to... Uh, what is coming forward in, in, I will claim, the new golden age of Star Trek? I can even start maybe with... Uh, yeah. Bill. yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks. thanks Brady Buncham. Brady Buncham. Um, <laughs> I love how Garcia is just like uh, anybody but me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you sit behind the scenes, man. Um, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I think that Star Trek always speaks to the best hope for humanity. And there are going to be people who say they don't see that in whatever iteration. I mean, I didn't see it necessarily when next gen started because it didn't have Kirk and Spock. And you know what? I was wrong. Um, it didn't take long, certainly before 1994 when I realized that, that next gen really, um, really did have all those things in, in, in droves. And then, People said the same thing about Deep Space Nine, and people said the same thing about Voyager and Enterprise, and and you name it. So, um, does it have that um, that sort of infinite diversity and infinite combinations? Perhaps not in the way that people expect, but I I think it does. Um, you know, we we talk a lot about Gene's vision. And oftentimes when I type that out, I put the trademark symbol next to it because I feel like it's, that's really kind of what it's become. I think it's been romanticized to the nth degree. And that's by no means a criticism because we, we find a message that, that speaks to us and, and we put it back out into the world in, in the way in which we see it through our own eyes. So I think that time will, will probably prove that, that these new series kind of have the same thing going on just in a different way uh i see i see you know idic and in 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 diversity and discovery i see it in picard i'm sure i will see it in whatever comes next whether it's a a section 31 series or you know the the long rumored pike series or 
or whatever else. But, you know, Star Trek is a product of the time in which it's produced. And these values, these, these sort of tenets that we hold dear as Star Trek fans get interpreted by different generations. And I think that this is this generation's most current take on it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dan? Ye- okay. Yes, there are. Um, so TOS and, and, and a lot of TNG, we looked outward. We went and said that we were near utopia and that the issues were outside the Federation. Deep Space Nine kind of got on that fringe area where it said, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of Federation. Well, now I think this one here still has Roddenberry's vision, but I think they're reminding us that sometimes we need to look inside and improve us before we can improve others. So there's still the message that maybe instead of looking outwards, sometimes we need to look inwards and improve the situation. And these, these new CBS series are kind of showing that a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think there are new messages and sometimes that message is, Hey, look at us sometimes and make sure that we're doing the right thing before we try to go and tell other people or not tell, but try to help other people do the right thing. Um, I actually couldn't have said it better myself, Dan. And and actually that was kind of where I was going to go with it is the difference I see with Star Trek and the kind of the darker feel that people talk about is I do see a, a almost, (laughs) almost surgical form of introspection taking place with the newer Star Trek series. And you know, a, a broken or a, a damaged or, you know, something happening, a damaged Starfleet or a backwards this or that, or, you know, people swearing or saying bad things or, or whatever. I do think that as a reflection of the now, Star Trek is still trying to explore strange new places. And I've always thought that Star Trek itself isn't an exploration of space at all. It is an exploration of the human condition. It always was, and it always is. And now it's entering into some, some maybe some deeper, darker, maybe more personal, ticklish territory that I think is the next frontier in terms of what we need to do. And so I do think that newer iterations of Star Trek might look at times like what we're going through now introspectively and incorporate those things into its storytelling so that we can get a reflection of the now in this space age show that we watch that really is an exploration of the human condition. Well, you know, I've said, and you've probably heard this on Trek Geeks many times, Star Trek has always held up a mirror to humanity and it's Mm -hmm. just, we haven't always liked the reflection we've seen back in the mirror. And I think that that's demonstrably true, especially now. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we had seen Star Trek first run in the 60s, I'm sure we would have had much the same reaction. I think we would have been bowled over by this series, but we would have very easily seen that it was a commentary on what was going on in the world. And mm-hmm. if you look at what was going on in the years between 66 and 69, um, it wasn't pretty. Uh, no. You want to talk about racial and civil unrest. You want to talk about endless war. You want to talk about any one of a number of different things. The 60s had it. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is probably the time that is closest to that, at least in in events. So I, I, I do think that, that perhaps the mirror that is being held up to humanity right now is one where we're looking at the reflection. We're going, whew, geez, I don't know, man. And, and we're not wrong. No. Star Trek has always been a call to action, too, though. 
And I think this is kind of where I wanted to end the episode actually is that call to action. And right now I think everyone needs to be safe. I think everyone needs to know um, who who's in their corner, who they can look to, who can help them. But as we get our feet under us a lot better, I think this is another big piece is Star Trek fans have been able to change things, right? They've managed to stop um, uh, the show from being canceled in the past, right? Um, by popular demand, this this series just doesn't seem to want to die. And I think that's a really important thing. The kindness and the generosity, the, the humanity that I get from people um, in and around the Star Trek fandom itself, I think, calls us to that. And it might not necessarily be us, you know, joining up with mutual aid societies and helping those that might be something we want to do or maybe just helping our neighbors get groceries or something but even just saying kind things to one another making time right the greatest gift you can give a person is your time and i do think that as star trek fans we have that with each other we can share that we can look at that positive future even when it's as dark as it can be sometimes um like you said bill in the late 1960s i think there was a lot of um a lot of people who were losing hope and and i think trek was able to articulate sort of the impression of the time and give us a better understanding. I mean, I'd never lived in the sixties, but star Trek really is my only link to understanding what people were thinking in the sixties, other than talking to my relatives who were alive. Then it gives me a much broader, more sociological understanding. So as even a time capsule, I think star Trek in its different iterations at different points truly is like you say, that mirror of society in its different periods of time through this lens. So if it means maybe we can be, uh, we can use that fandom as uh, a way to be kind to each other uh, in any way that manifests. I think it is, uh, it's something that Star Trek fans aren't, uh, aren't strangers to. You know, the, the future that we all hope to see where humanity does better and humanity is better starts with, with all of us today. It's not specious to Star Trek. It's all about being good and decent people. That's really what, you know, humans of the future are about. That's what the hope is. The hope is that we, we shake off this, this pettiness and, and, and this arrogance that we have as humans um, to, to learn that there is, uh, there's more out there. And I, I, finding that more out there starts with each and every one of us every day. Um, and that's as, as soapboxy as I get, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to give you the last word, Dan. I'm looking forward to season two. Um, I, I want them to, uh, do some background on some characters that, uh, that they didn't quite fill in. I mean, it'll be interesting to see Girardi's background. Maybe there was something that was made her susceptible to the situation she was put in. Uh, like to see them to do more with, uh, L nor, I mean, Elnor, I thought yeah. he was lightly, I thought he was very lightly used in, in this season. Yeah, they, uh, they, they, I could see some more El- Elnor. I'd be down yeah, for that. I mean, he was basically where he was supposed to be when he needed to be, and everything in between was kind of like him standing there. So, so he was felt, Tasha Yar. Yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I definitely look forward to seeing how they use the new synth Picard mm-hmm. in, in the story of how that will affect how people interact with them. Absolutely. Hello, if, fans. If it even had- changes. Yes, absolutely. 
I, I think I think you're right in the sense that that there's more to be told now that this story has sort of left a, a few a few loose ends that I would like to see cleaned up. Uh, Elnor especially, uh, Rios, and then yeah, I mean Borg Queen, Borg Queen Seven. That uh, that that could be a really interesting um, an interesting arc, or maybe even another story they could head down. Well, the more interesting uh, arc for Seven is. Um, what's going to go on with Rafi? Yeah. I, I want to see that because mm-hmm. they're clearly growing closer. They are two broken individuals. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing what happens with that. Um, I look forward to seeing seven more, which is something I wasn't sure I was going to see until that last scene of the finale. Yeah. So bring on seven in season two. Cause I'm, I'm all there for it. Yeah, and the XBs as well. I think there's a lot to mine from there to to, to articulate a new version, a redempt, a, a redeemed Borg as well. Um, yeah, uh, Anne Marie Segal. Yes, I watched Star Trek for the relationships. Yeah, <laughs> that is a that is very well put. I love the very. ships in Star Trek, but also the relationships, right? The the connections between people is definitely a really good point uh, to bring up. Another little piece here, and this is just a little bit back. Um, Horizon Brave says, Star Trek is at its best uh, and most hopeful when it gives us a broken or sometimes darker view of ourselves. It's uh, when it provides the most hope to me. Absolutely. It, Star Trek is, if anything, um, a piece of hope, right? The last best hope. The, 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 that word comes up a lot. Um, and sometimes it misses the mark, right? Aquiel uh, was, was a tough episode. Uh, Prophet and Lace was something I can't say I've ever watched again. Like I've seen that, I've seen that episode once. Nor should I you. Am, and I am yeah. good. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, like... Yeah. Um, Jamie McGregor actually brought up a really good point the other day. He's uh, going backwards in Trek ranks, right? He's taking Jim's like least favorite ranked um, episodes and he's working his way to the top and he's doing that. He's doing that with enterprise. So he's going to finish with um, um, the one with the um, Organians and I'm blanking on the name all of a sudden Uh, observer effect. Observer effect. He's ending with observer effect, which is the best way to end enterprise. I think than the finale, um, but you know i mean however we take our our star trek i mean the idea of hope always comes in always happens right look at janeway's face when she says set a course for home right like yeah i got a three thousand year trip ahead of me but i'm gonna try right that's the one thing about every person or every story in star trek is is sometimes hope is what dies last and it's what gets them through I, I have nothing to add to that. You stated as usually perfectly. Well, there we are. <laughs> well, I'm going to get a couple last comments, and then we, I think we can call it a season one of uh, Star Trek Picard, uh, Trek Geeks Picard Live. So um, let's just work our way up here. Adam Sanders, Star Trek is redemption, hope, and family. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Some people are mad about um, Girardi being in jail. Um, do, do, do. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just Jamie. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Chris Hackney, Star Trek Fenris Rangers. Yeah, I'd, I be, think I'd be there for that. I would be down for that. Although, how do we know that season two of Picard won't be Star Trek Fenris Rangers? We don't know. That could 100% be a thing. Um, Chris was happy with, uh, Chris Mumphrey was happy with what Dan had to say earlier. Um, I'm guessing it was something good. I wasn't listening, but uh, I don't sure. listen to Garcia either. So <laughs> that's, uh, let's see it's here. All good. Ah, um, well, I think I think we can call it uh, we can call there. Oh, 
uh, Tamia Harper, thanks so much, you guys. I don't comment much because I prefer to listen. Commentary is provocative and insightful. Questions are awesome, Barry. Thanks, y'all. Well, thank you for uh, for listening and and being uh, even just listening is is fantastic. And and your comment uh, now you're now you're imprinted. You're you're one of the commenters, so that's great. Um, Adam Sanders wants a Hugh and Seven origin story. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the other day who would make a a good young Annika. Um, you know, Scarlett Johansson might be able to pull that off. Even though I don't know, she might be the same age or young. I don't know age very well. I don't think I, they could afford her. Well, no, no, you're absolutely right. So, well, I think that uh, that we can we can call it uh, on on our discussion of season one. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch more Star Trek discussion on the Trek Geeks Network. You can check us out on. Um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TrekGeeks.com. Latest episodes coming out. Of course, uh, Trek Geeks did one on Chakotay that I really <laughs> Oh, you guys. You guys with Robert Beltran, I tell you. He needs to, I would love to see him come on and talk to you guys. That would be that would be a load of fun. So if you could check out the Chicote episode, it is it is definitely a goofy, fun little little. There we go, Akuchi Moya. Oi, oi, oi. Anyways, uh, you can check that out. Uh, Trek Rewind always has some good uh, good stuff coming out, uh, and Shashank and I will be doing some more Paula Treks recording in the near ish future as well. I know I'm going back to Paula Treks now that I'm done here. I can go back. I, uh, there's only so much Barry to go around. I, I can honestly say you'll never be done here. Um, no, and this isn't to say this won't be the last time people may see Picard live before season two starts. Oh, I'm you never know. I'm pretty sure I'm I I can't really quit the people in the comments the the, the people who show up on the show you guys are fine but uh like I've said it's uh, it's always a, a great thing getting to chat with all these fine folk so I think we can call her uh, a night gentlemen you guys uh how how can we find uh, uh you bill where where are you are you on any networks at all or um uh, what is this network of which you speak I I'm really kind of no, uh, of course, uh, I can be found on uh, on Twitter as uh, at Trek Geek Bill. And of course, pretty much everywhere you find Trek Geeks, you're either talking with me or Dan Davidson, uh, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or the or the tweet machine. And of course, uh, there's our, our amazing Facebook group, our super positive Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, uh, which is admin by the lovely and talented Mr. Garcia, also Jackie and and uh, and Haley and Sarah and um, and Dan and I are in there quite often, too. So uh, a, a plethora of places with which to interact with everyone on the Trek Geeks Network, including you yourself, Barry. Absolutely. And uh, I need to be on Camp Kittimer a lot more often. And now that I'm working from home a lot more, my after- my afternoons, typically, I don't have to drive home from work anymore. And so that gives me an extra 45 minutes both ways a day. So I get an extra hour and a half of like things to do. So yeah, maybe I'll pop on Camp Kittimore. 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 I'll, I'll, camp, I'll be on Camp Kittimore more often. Um, that was bad. Yeah. Live TV. Anyways, well... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this season's episode of uh, season of Picard Live. Yes, I do. Just want to say we would, you know, be remiss if we didn't mention Trek Geeks Game Night with Mister Garcia. Yes, um, the Hathaway. Yes, also on the Trek Geeks Network, you can find those episodes on the YouTube's, and there's actually now an audio only version which you can find on iTunes and all the other podcast platforms. Um, and and Dan does a fantastic job there as well. As amazing as that may seem. He certainly does actually. I'm I'm quite happy with it. And and 
one day, uh, if if uh, if given the opportunity, I'd even love to do a guest villain spot uh, on on game night to come in and and maybe con it up or something. Well, now that uh, you've said I, that, I'm sure he'll find a way to work it in. Oh, I would have no problem with that. I mean, at this point, you'll probably guess before th- this guy will. Ah, uh, well, he's a busy man. I know, I know, but uh, I. Uh, it, it, He's really busy when I blow up his phone constantly with texts. So uh, that didn't happen today. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Oy. someone gets to slap me. That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Chris says he gets to slap very good. Try it. Somebody Again. should. Yeah. I'll explain later. <laughs> no, I've moisturized. I'm ready for a good slap. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to trek geeks picard live for season one you can check out all of our back catalog on trekgeeks.com. you can check us out on all the podcast doobly-doos out there and until we meet again live long and prosper <laughs>